Hello, welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here today with my brother, Jeremy Sartori, and it is a Brother, Brother podcast. We are doing, I guess what's become a quarterly uh, kind of tradition here at the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast of what are you listening to? It has. Basically, yeah. <laughs> basically what are, what, what's new? What, uh, what are we scratching the surface on these days? And uh, we've got some time to get acquainted with some new shit lately. Uh, what are you listening to, Jer? Yeah, well, um, I've got three that I picked out for this, which is usually we kind of balance around three to two, depending if it's all three of us or two of us. And it's been such a weird year. When you say quarterly, I'm like, oh, my God, this year is just, I feel like it's been one one day. Um, for the yeah. last nine months or whatever, what but um, never ending freaking day. <laughs> Seriously, and I, uh, you know, I tend to. You and I were kind of talking offline. Tend to kind of, you know, because we we haven't been to a lot of live or any live shows since the day the world live music stopped, um, and because you know, just in general, it's sort of like uh, hibernation and, and comfort mode. I've, I've leaned on a lot of. Um, known entities, but for this episode, definitely pulled out, um, you know, three that, that are newer to me, um, one being not so new to you. So there's been some great stuff that came out this year. I mean, I, I love the new Jeff Tweedy solo album we mentioned, um, I think yeah. a couple pods ago. Love is the king. Yeah, it's really great. And But I think for this, I wanted to kind of uh, stretch the boundaries. Not sure if all these will make it to my end of the year list, but I really am enjoying. And, and the first one I was going to throw out there is a band called Mourn. They are a... Uh, Barcelonian, uh, Spanish, um, punk band, all female punk band. And, uh, the album is, um, self-worth. It's, uh, it's, it's just a really good, like, um, punk rock, uh, female driven band. I kind of trying to think like comparison wise, definitely has a little bit of like Susie Sue vocal styling, um, oh, Susie cool. the Banshees, um, you know, a bit of like, you know, that 90s kind of whole sound guitar-wise and stuff like that, but but I think very melodic and and, uh, and very um, worth a listen. I think you'd like it a lot. I think Christian would actually like it a lot, too, because it's got that punk urgency. So, you know, some great songs, like This Feeling is Disgusting, as the opening track is great. Um, and I think all the way through, it kind of just burns. I didn't know the band prior to this record, so um, just reading up a little bit on them after kind of discovering this album... It sounds like this was a pretty big jump maturity-wise for the band. So these are, um, I think, younger gals um, who definitely took a leap with the with the new album Self Worth in 2020. So definitely worth checking out. I'm digging it quite a bit. Sweet. Well, I'm I'm actually gonna go international myself. Um, we're we're uh, we're jet setting in an era when you can't jet set. Yeah, anywhere. Put on your virtual goggles um, and uh, find yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but uh, I am late to the party on this myself. A uh, band called Songoy Blues, uh, Mal- uh, Malian band, uh, African band, um, that is really kind of remarkable. Um, I, like I said, I'm late to the party uh, in the sense that uh, when I was reading up on them, um, I found out that they were discovered by Damon Albarn's um, musical nice. project, and uh, their first album was five years ago, produced by Nick Zinner of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. So not uh, 100% off the radar, but they're they're really kind of a cool band. I think you'd really dig them. Um, yeah, I listened to a track they, uh, that I liked. Yeah, they're, they're kind of... When I first listened to them, I'm like, oh, this is like 
you know, because they refer to themselves as desert blues. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of Queens of the Stone Agey. And, uh, you know, to, to a degree, I kind of wish they landed on their hard rock instincts a little harder, but they're, they're pretty jammy. Um, you know, I, a little bit of like, you know, my morning jacket kind of, uh, um, you know, kind of feel too, cause you know, really good, really good players. And, um, I think the, the main guy in the band, Garbra, uh, Torre is Ali Farca Torre's son. So, you know, a long lineage of, of great musicianship there, but it's, um, actually three guys in the band are named, uh, have the last name Torre, not related to each other, sort of like the Taylors and Duran Duran. Um, but, uh, they're, uh, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of noodling, a lot of great guitar playing. It reminds me a little bit of like, um, it's kind of funny because they're probably bigger than this guy, but it reminds me of like, you know, Steve Gunn kind of uh, musicianship that kind of, it's got an urgency. It's a hard rock, but it's also super, um, finger picking and, and a lot of like really intricate noodling. Um, uh, it's, it's, the, the album's called Optimism, which uh, I probably just mispronounced. Uh, I imagine that's optimism in French. <laughs> optimism uh, in French. Um, but it's, a uh, you know, I just, uh, give it a spin. Because it, yeah. it's, I'm doing a terrible job of, of um, sort of articulating what what I like about it. But it, it does have like a heavy, it's a, it's a straightforward psychedelic rock album. If that's, cool. you know. If that brings you to the table, it's, um, you know, they are songs, they are um, intricate musicianship. It can get, a, it's a little proggy, but at the same time, it just kind of kicks ass. And, and, you know, I mean, Mali is a, a, you know, a country with a lot of political strife um, and it's a multilingual album. There's songs in English, there's songs in French, there's, uh, you know, there's multiple languages at work here. Uh, but the groove is there, and you know the players are fantastic, and it's it's kind of a it's a cool vibe. Nice, I'm looking forward to it. Um, why don't we do this on this episode since it's just you and I, and uh, we have uh, more space? Um, why don't we play a little snippet from both groups we just mentioned after each segment? Uh, Perfect. That works for Damien. So I'm gonna throw out "Stay There" by Morn and. Um, Go ahead and throw out a track, and we can give the listeners a. Let's taste. do the the opening track on from Optimism on Songoi Blues. Cool.
Welcome back. Um, so next on the list, when uh, the question we uh, ask ourselves every episode, but this episode is dedicated to, what are you listening to? Thank you for asking, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> I discovered an album this week that I am in love with that is rapidly becoming one of my favorite albums of the year, and that is The Magic Gang's Death of the Party. Um, it's kind of a callback to... Uh, Northern Soul, British Northern Soul. It's a band from Brighton, England, um, my dad's hometown. And uh, it is, um, you know, it's kind of a, a callback to that mid-'80s um, kind of soulful but poppy era. Would you call, like, the House kind of... Martins that sound? No, they but yeah. uh, um, the House Martins were a little bit more. Jang- I mean, they jangle. do have that sort of Rickenbacker jangle pop thing going, but they were. You know, I, I put the House Martins more in like the Bell and Sebastian, clever and yeah, cute sort of kind of twee yeah. category. These guys rock a little harder, uh, but I would. You know, it's almost a little bit more soulful. There's a heavy Motown influence, um, but it doesn't sound like Motown. Um, so I would, you know, I would go like kind of style council. Um, gotcha, yeah. Paul Weller's Weller. post jam project, and maybe a little tears for early tears for fears when when Roland Lord the ball um, was kind of doing his more soulful uh, vocals. It's it it's you know everybody in the band sings British um, Hall of Notes. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of that Philly soul kind of thing, but it's uh, also you know produced and poppy and and uh it, it, i really like it like it's start to finish it's i listened really to it yesterday and I, yeah i dig it too it's good and it does have that kind of it's not i mean i guess it's retro but recent retro you know it's not not they're not like yeah. biting off of anything it, it's got a sound and it's a weird sound to kind of like the american audience it's not a weird sound in the sense that like it's it's American music reprocessed through a British yeah filter. exactly sort of like um, you know Britpop to some degree could do or you know Kinks and, and you get that kind of like unique um, but it doesn't go almost. so f- it doesn't go so far into that sort of mimicry of like Paul Young in the eighties it's kind of got a little bit you know I mean Robert Palmer kind right. of thing um, you know it's 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 so familiar and yet it's kind of hard to put a point on it you know what i mean it i keep thinking it's going to come to me and again you know like i said the jumping off point is obviously style council it's you know um it's got that sort of you know it's not attempting it's not attempting to be soul in the way that like michael bolton and and like paul young were it is or or mick hucknell from simply red it's it's just incorporating that into like a more uh, mainstream British kind of pop rock kind of sound. Yeah, I really liked what I heard. I gave it a spin, like I said yesterday, um, and I listened to some of the other like singles earlier stuff too, uh, just on kind of like a mix. And it was it's good stuff. I like it. I- I'm shocked we haven't heard of them. You know? Yeah, it's, it's I know. One of those... I'm curious, and I wonder if it's. Um... Yeah, just sometimes you get like those bands that probably are, are bubbling over there, and, and then I think too, and, and we were kind of talking about this. I I find that like. Without the live music circuit for the last nine months, I bet you this is a band that may have played like a Great Scots or even maybe a slightly bigger venue here in, in Boston. 
And because you were kind of in tune with that, you would have like read about them, listened to them, and then gotten tickets for 20 bucks, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, it, again, it harkens back to the band we saw on the, on the eve of the lockdown, the murder capital. Right. So they have nothing in common sort of musically, but they have a lot in common in terms of the, the, the scope of, of their popularity. Yeah, and where um, they kind of could have gone and, and probably would have. Totally. Until COVID killed their dreams. How about yourself? What are you listening to? Um, so my second one is um, Barty Strange. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so kind of cool, um, interesting uh, gentleman, um, full, like, uh, given name, Bartiste Leon Cox Jr., who's originally from Oklahoma, but um, resides in D.C. And, um, you know, he had an EP out, I think, in 2018, maybe. And this is his first full-length um, album. So the full-length is Live Forever. Um, and it's like a real mix of like indie rock. I mean, some songs sound almost like, you know, Alex G. Others sound mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like hip-hop, like full-on hip-hop or jazz or kind of experimental. Um, you know, I, I hate using this this comparison just because they're one of the you know, a few sort of uh, uh, black indie bands, but definitely TV on the radio, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, kind of that fusion going on there where you get um, just a lot of different soundscapes and sort of thick production and, um, you know, kind of wall of sound. Wall of sound, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I I just find it like, I was playing it um, last night while I was cooking and just kind of let it run all the way through and, it's definitely one of those albums that that sort of surprises you a little bit. There's some like sort of rocking aggressive stuff on there and then and then more like kind of um ambient, you know, kind of atmospheric um uh stuff as well as well as like I said sort of lo-fi even like um, you know, kind of acoustic-y stuff. So I I definitely give it a sping. I, I think you'd like it a lot. Um, you know, songs like Boomer, uh Stone Meadows, Mustang. I, I just really it was one of those ones, too, I just kind of took a flyer on. I've heard the name, because it's, it's kind of a great uh, stage name. and um, But I'd never really kind of given him the time of day, and, and definitely well worth it. Yeah, I actually you know gave it a spin, thought the guy was British. Yeah, he does have that, for sure. Nope, from, uh, he was actually raised in Mustang, Oklahoma, which is uh, one of the tracks on his, on his album. So uh, all right, well let's let's give up both of those a, a quick spin. Let's play "Think" by um, the Magic Gang. Yeah, and, and we'll do uh, uh, Mustang and, and from uh, from Barty Strange.
chapter three of what are you listening to, our third and final chapter of what are you listening to, I guess this would be Q4, brother, brother, brother. Um, Jeremy, I have a question for you. Uh, what would that be? What are you listening to? Hmm. Can't punt this one, can I? Um, I am listening to a band that you've mentioned, or a guy, I should say, that you've mentioned a few times in, in this year in past pods, um, and whose name, I think, um, the stage name, again, kind of threw me off for years, because he had an album, I think, last year or two years ago, that you also kind of championed, and I, I know I listened to it, but I think the both the album cover and the name always kind of um, just, I don't know what it was. It was hard to remember. So I'm uh, talking about Max Clark, who goes by uh, the stage name of Cutworms and, and uh, as an artist who uh, hails from Ohio and uh, is currently residing in Brooklyn, New York. Um, his new album, Nobody Lives Here Anymore, off of uh, Jag Jaguar, is, is one of my favorites of the year. I, I think you might have said to me, like, it will be on my top list or could be one of my, my favorite album, and, and you weren't too far off. Um, yeah, just this album kind of captures a lot of sounds that I'm very drawn to, so um, sort of cowboy music um, um, of the, you know, 70s variety, um, a little bit of Outlaw, a little bit of Graham Parsons with a lot of birds and Laurel Canyon mixed a in there. A lot of Graham Parsons. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then I think a little bit of, you know, indie rock as well, but, um, but I think definitely leans in on that. Sort of flying burrito brothers, Graham Parsons too, yes. you know, um, where you had that kind of melding of '60s um, hippie culture and psychedelia with um, the cosmic cowboy, um, you know, Parsons, and and yeah, I just this album's great. It's a cosmic long album. American I want to say it's like a music. double yeah. album, right? It is. Yeah, it's a double and, album. so uh, it, it's a great album just to kind of throw on any time of day and play all the way through. Um, which is always a, a great thing when you're you're sitting in, in, inside, um, but yeah, no, I pre, I I really like it. I think it's awesome, and, and he's a guy just kind of you know who you you've championed, like I said, for a little while. But you know, he's also had opening stints, which makes so much sense when you uh, hear him for like Jenny Lewis, Kevin Morby, you know, people like that. And I think he's sort of um, yep. uh, with this album, you know, and, and hopefully the ability to tour in, in the next year or so here, gonna take that next leap. I would imagine. Yeah, he's 100% one of those guys we would have seen at Great Scott this year. And, and yeah, like and been Nutty blown over. away. Yeah, what, what is the Cutworms? And I apologize to Max Clark, but I just really, that name, I don't know why it bugs the shit out of me. I don't like it. Um, yeah. Don't love the name, but, you know, Cutworm is like a, uh, I believe, is like a parasite of some sort. Okay, um, got it. But I'm not sure. That like, like rides a, around in your intestines. It, it is an actual thing. I, in the same way that like the Jesus lizard used to bump me, because I used to think it was like a, a stupid melding of two words that didn't belong together. Yeah, but it's actually like there's a, an actual an Jesus animal, lizard. <laughs> a reptile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, um, you know, we'll let the we'll let the name slide. Yeah, so definitely worth, so uh, you know, if, if the name doesn't bother you, good. And if it does, uh, ignore it and move on to the music, it's great. Exactly. Well, my my next band is a is a um, you know kind of a side project for two different bands, but I I, I kind of almost think it might become their their main project if um, you know if all goes well. It's a band called Loma, who we right. really liked a couple uh, you know with their debut a couple years ago. It's Emily Cross and Dan Dzinski uh, of Cross Records and Jonathan Myberg of Shearwater. Yeah, um, formerly, he was and, in Ockerville uh, as well. Correct. Yeah, I couldn't remember if there was Ockerville or 
or uh, you know, The Woods or one of those bands. But um, uh, Cross and Duzinski were a married couple. Uh, they were opening for Shearwater for an extended period of time, and, and Myberg kind of became obsessed with their music. Uh, they divorced before they um, put out their second album and uh, actually were divorcing during the first Loma album, but have stayed together as a musical, um, you know, as a musical partnership and uh, we're all the better for it. The, the album's called Don't Shy Away. And again, kind of like Cutworms, I would say this is like a, it's a kind of got a country leaning um, but it, it wouldn't even go close to calling it country. It's actually got, I would say if you, you know, if Portishead were from Texas, yeah, this is say, what they might sound like. That's a great, um, great, uh, yeah, great comparison there. Cause it does have that Port, Portishead feel, but it's, it's definitely from yeah, it's like, the it's, Southwest at the like same the, time. Yeah. It's got this kind of a thin, the odd thing is that Emily Cross apparently, you know, uh, like myself has a uh, British parent. And so she's living over in, in England at the moment. Um, but, uh, she, you know, she's got a, a very sort of ethereal voice that, that kind of can be used as an instrument and as a, as a focal point for a song. And, um, this is, uh, you know, it's got that ambient quality at the same time. It's got some really interesting sounds and I think they're very keen on sound experimentation, with kind of the, the the motor behind the the press on this record is that they um, they sent um, that, that they found out that Brian Eno was a big fan of one of their songs on their first album and sent him some um, some uh, tape of their of their new music and uh, he wound up contributing in uh, some some synth sounds and producing the final track on the album. Cool. So, you know, they've got friends in high places apparently. Um, but it is, it's a, it's an odd album. It's, it's, it really does sound like if a country band got obsessed with trip hop, that's all. Yeah. It's a massive it, attack. It keeps massive attack or yeah. More Chiba. Yeah. Um, it just has that, you know, that quality of, of females, you know, awesome female singer, um, you know, with a with a very experimental sound, and it, it, you know, I always go back to like Kate Bush or Yaz or something, you know, where, which was sort of the genesis of that, you know, um, heavenly female voice over um, very strange um, and groundbreaking music. But these guys have have brought it out once again, and and it is a ride that's worth taking. I love it. Um, yeah, it's a great one. I, I totally love it too, and it's a, a good uh, recap of, of the sound. It's definitely a unique. Um, I've never actually gotten into Shearwater. I don't know them that well, but I, I did. Um, obviously, I always liked them. Yeah, I was in Austin, and I know he was he was a pretty intricate part on the sort of core Rockerville albums. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's from there yeah. originally, but he lived there. Yep. And, and yeah, and actually, Duzinski and he, I think. Uh, built a house and a studio together out in Tripping Springs, yeah. which is um, famous to our our uh, taste buds sensibilities for uh, I believe being home to the Salt Lake. Yeah, with the plate of brisket, ribs, and sausage all, until you can't eat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> bring your bring your own beer. Uh, mm-hmm. mm, Miss that for sure. Well, cool. Um, what do you want to throw on from Loma? 
uh, why don't we go with the with the um, the final track, the um, the Brian Eno produced. It's it's you know it. I wouldn't say it's it's single quality, but I would say it's it's a really interesting, um, uh, a very interesting kind of moody piece and worth a listen. I can't. Rem- I'm looking up the name of it right now because I can't remember. Homing. Cool. That's what it's called. And and this is the Brian Eno produced track. I'm gonna go the opposite side of the record um, and go with the first song uh, The Heat Is On off of Nobody Lives Here Anymore because it pretty much encapsulates exactly what you're going to get for the, the other yeah, four a, sides of this it's record a, it's like uh, if, you know yeah, it's totally like Graham Parsons Birds Era uh, single it's great <laughs> Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Hopefully uh, we haven't lost you yet and you are sticking around to hear um, the redundant question of the day, which is, uh, Jared, what are you listening to? So um, 
after finishing Queen's Gambit, like the rest of uh, the world, which I enjoyed very much, um, you, it was, my, it was actually both of our birthdays recently, and you got me a copy of uh, All Right, All Right, All Right, The Oral History of Richard Linkletter's Dazed and Confused by Melissa Mirez or Mirez. Um, I'm just cracked the book, already in love with it, and, um, you know, this is a, a movie, obviously, that means a lot to a lot of people for various reasons, um, one just being that very few movies really capture mm-hmm. a day and a night of high school life and, and sort of the monotony and the um, quest for, like, something awesome might happen tonight um, that rarely does, and, you know, the, the amount of joints and, and, you know, shitty beer that you drink for that quest but at the same time um you know i was mentioning to you off you know I, I worked with some of these folks when i was doing some film stuff in austin it kind of put austin on the map a little bit which is a place that i lived in the late 90s and, and was pretty fond of and still am and um and then also kind of put richard linkletter on the map he had gotten some critical success from slacker but then days really sort of made him into a cult classic and obviously he's had a great career from there but just an interesting guy, too, you know, I think um, some of the book kind of explains how he kind of got there and, and, and what sort of led up to, to making this movie and, and kind of the, you know, I think what ended up being a really hard process for him because he was, he was sort of had been given money by the studios and, and was, um, you know, he, he looked as it, as it, at it more as like he has PTSD from, from making this movie just because it was his first sort of foray into fighting the the Hollywood machine a little bit and just an interesting guy you know star athlete uh, from Houston who moved out to Huntsville uh, which is a small East Texas town and uh, you know just sort of had that like rebellion streak that reminded me a lot of the recent Tom Petty doc that I met where like I think you were saying and, and the more I think about it you know Tom Petty's music is amazing and great but it doesn't totally stand out in the way of like um you know some of his his sort of contemporaries and i think Linkletter is similar like his movies i love but they're not you know like goodfellas or you know or uh even rushmore you know for the sake but they're but they're um subtly just he you know he nails kind of a, a certain streak and, and you, you really kind of read about how independent this guy is in his sort of quest for doing the art that he wants to do which i, I really admire yeah, I was, uh, you know, and I was reminded recently when I was hearing the press uh, tour on this on this book that, you know, that movie made no money. Oh, absolutely um, not. And yeah. that, you and I saw it in, like, some art house theater in Manhattan, I think, like. Yeah, I, I brought you in from high school. Yeah. Uh, me, you, and Addison Kidd saw it yeah. at the, I believe, at the Angelica. And, um, you know, I was kind of my hopes were dashed because I, I was looking forward to it maybe more than any movie I've ever seen in my life <laughs> after the uh, run-up. And, and uh, you know, it took me a couple of viewings to, to kind of relax into the idea that this was a, a, not a movie of, of you know great dynamism, but a, a movie of great uh, insight. And um, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite movies ever. And, um, you know, we for whatever dollar figure under a million bucks that it made we contributed and i feel good about that yeah i think um, i when it came out on vhs i think i um was responsible for most of summit high school in new jersey viewing this movie so yeah we definitely spread the word you launched a thousand a thousand uh imitations no doubt yep. um how about well, you what i have been 
I have been watching season four of The Crown, which I feel like I've paid my dues in order to get to this point. It is so far and away the best season of The Crown. It's the uh, it will be no doubt remembered as the Princess Diana season, but the woman playing Diana is so good um, at you know the sort of subtlety of slights and viciousness of you know the reaction to her the, the sort of uplift of being loved by the masses and the and the misery of being resented by your own family <laughs> um it's it's kind of great um you know uh, my wife is a massive crown fan and i've sort of been along for the ride and i've really enjoyed the first three seasons don't get me wrong but this one is just so much more. It's also took place in an Relative, era that I yeah, remember exactly. I was say uh, very, very well, and uh, you know, spent a lot, fair amount of time in England during this period. So, you know, the sights, the sounds, the smells, so to speak, are all familiar. And the soundtracking is is amazing to boot. There's a lot of uh, great needle needle drops, not the least of which um, I think I will spoil uh, for you is uh, at the end of episode three, I believe is uh, the English Beats great stand-down Margaret, which is, you know, has has felt so irrelevant for so long and yet now takes on a new kind of meaning and, and uh, relevance uh, given the sort of resurgence of of interest in that era. So it's a, it's fantastic. Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher is great. Um, and uh, I can't say enough about this year. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, I need to um, I need to catch up or or just jump in. I'm not sure which I'm gonna do yet, but uh, but I'm definitely excited. Yeah. So, so we, you want to uh, put a song on? Yeah. Why don't you go? Or either or I can go if you want. Actually, why don't you go first? All right. So I I, I got one that it. I'm not sure. This has happened a few times now because our playlist is so massive and and great. Um, do we have what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding by Elvis Costello on there? I don't think we do. Okay, so if we don't, that's going on. And if for some reason we do, then I'm going to go So It Goes by Nick Lowe. Ah, two great choices. And may, um, may just know, pop them both on for the fuck of it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, uh, yeah, please, put them both on. I'm actually going to stay in the same band and uh, go with um, a song written by Elvis Costello, but masterfully performed by Rockpile's bassist Dave Edmonds, or Rockpile's guitarist Dave Edmonds, um, Girl Talk by Dave Edmonds. Cool. Great, and that's definitely not on there. So, all right, well, um, we're going to be taking a two-week break, for which I guess we're doing anyways. We've got Thanksgiving next week, so um, this will probably post... Uh, we'll Around post, Thanksgiving, prior yeah. to Thanksgiving. Or, yeah. Or just before. Just before Thanksgiving, Sorry. Whatever. Scheduling's <laughs> not our forte. <laughs> exactly. Scheduling or, or uh, the never-ending never Groundhog Day we've been living in. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I will uh, hopefully see you around the holiday. Um, stay safe, and we'll talk. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.